2: Welcome to Publishing Today Radio, where aspiring authors, thought leaders, business owners, and others with a story to tell discover resources, helpful tips, and sage advice. Join Athena Dean Holtz, publishing industry expert, author, speaker, and independent publishing pioneer, as she brings to the forefront experts who provide the information you need to succeed. And now, here's Athena.
1: Well, welcome to the very first broadcast of Publishing Today, Clear Direction for a Changing Industry. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and our topic for this inaugural show is the power of story. Over the last 25 years I've been involved in publishing, I've watched some pretty dramatic transformations in the lives of people as the result of a story. The right message, crafted well, at the right time, meeting a need, resulting in a changed life. And I am so excited to have some amazing storytellers with me on this first show. Before I introduce them to you, let me tell you a little bit about each one of my guests In fact, as I'm doing this, you can call or text a friend and have them tune in online at voiceamerica.com. Once they're at the website, all they have to do is type in publishing today into the search bar and they'll be able to listen live. So here's the lineup for this inaugural launch of publishing today. Number one New York Times bestselling novelist Karen Kingsbury is America's favorite inspirational storyteller with more than 25 million copies of her award-winning books in print. Her last dozen titles have top bestseller charts and many of her novels are under development with Hallmark Films and as major motion pictures. Kingsbury has been recognized by Time Magazine and the Today Show for her life-changing fiction. She's also the host of a national music format radio program, the Karen Kingsbury Show, where she tells stories between the songs. Then my second guest will be James L. Rubart, who is a best-selling and Christie Award-winning author of Rooms, Book of Days, The Chair, Soul's Gate, and Memories Door. He's also a professional speaker and owner of Barefoot Marketing, which helps businesses and authors make more coin of the realm. And then my third guest today will be Cynthia Rukti. Cynthia is the award-winning author and speaker who tells stories hemmed in hope. Her recent releases are two novels, All My Belongings, and And As Water's Gone By, which actually releases in just a few days, and the nonfiction title, Ragged Hope, Surviving the Fallout of Other People's Choices, which will be joined by Tattered and Mended, The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul, that book releases in July. She recently retired from 33 years of writing and producing a daily radio broadcast called The Heartbeat of the Home is past president of the 2,700-member American Christian Fiction Writers Organization and now serves as their professional relations liaison, all while working on more book projects in addition to the 14 already on the shelves. Her books have recently been honored with two SELA Awards, two Christian Retailing's Best Awards, and awards from the Christian Authors Network and Advanced Writers and Speakers Association Golden Scrolls, and she also has a nomination for the Forward Reviews Book of the Year. So this is going to be a great show with lots of powerful takeaway from my guests. And just so you know what to expect, during the last five minutes of the show, we'll have a segment called Ask Athena, where I'll be answering your questions on writing, publishing, and book marketing, branding, and promotion. So if you have a question you'd like me to answer, send an email at question at question AskAthena.com, and I will get it into the lineup for a future show. So now before I bring each of my guests into the conversation, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Publishing Today. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and we're broadcasting on VoiceAmerica.com the world leader in online media broadcasting and the largest producer and distributor of live internet-based talk radio. You can connect with me on the web at publishingtodayradio.com, on Facebook at publishingtodayradio, on Twitter, my handle is Athena underscore on the air, on Google, I'm Athena Dean, on the Voice America Network, the website's voiceamerica.com, All right, so we're done with all that. So let's get this show on the road. Um, Karen Kingsbury, welcome to Publishing
0: Today. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah, and I just love that our launch show topic is the power of story, and that we get to hear your heart on this very topic. Now. Your latest book, which is number two in the Angels Walking series, is entitled Chasing Sunsets. By the way, your publisher sent me a copy to give away, so let me just say for the first listener who texts me at 210-620-4900, I will send a free copy of Karen's newest novel, Chasing Sunsets. Again, that's 210-620-4900. First person who texts me will get a copy of Karen's latest novel. So, Karen, first let me ask you, you're considered one of the great storytellers. To you, what makes a great story?
0: I think for me it's got to be something that makes me feel. So I want to be laughing or I want to be crying. I want to be on the edge of my seat because if I'm not emotionally engaged – and the power of the story won't speak to me through the back door of my heart. You know, and a nonfiction book can teach you three principles on just about everything and anything out there, but a story has a different kind of power, but only if it engages our heart and our emotions. Mm, that's good. So, now,
1: your new series, where you've um, kind of turned your focus on angels, um, I'm interested in hearing about why you decided to do that and what you hope readers will learn through the story.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. Um I, I think what happened to me is it just felt like there's a lot of focus from readers on the supernatural. But usually it's the supernatural dark side, uh vampires, the werewolves, futuristic kind of storylines like Hunger Games, but not the spiritual light side of life. And so I just took a look at that. The the scripture Hebrews thirteen two, that just says, Be careful to entertain strangers. For in doing so, some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. I think that verse kind of turned me on my head, and I've read it, you know, many times, but I started thinking, if we've entertained a stranger, and possibly at the same time it was an angel, that means that at least when they're here walking on earth, they look like us, and act like us, talk like us. So I thought to myself, you know, this is really, so my series isn't really about angels as much as it is... There's these four characters who are going through the young adult years. They're trying to figure things out in life and love, trials and tragedies and triumphs that they're going through. But working among them here and there in little bits and scenes are angels. And we get introduced to the angels early on in the story uh, at a town meeting in heaven where it's a very desperate, tense meeting. And these angels are, have been carefully selected to be part of a team to oversee a dramatic mission that will take a couple different stages. So this is stage two of the mission, so to speak. Jag and Aspen are the two angels that are chosen to go to Earth on an angel's walking mission and to act uh, clandestinely among the characters in ways that make a huge difference. But often, I mean, really the characters don't know. The characters are going about their day and their storyline and their tragedies and their struggles. And this happens, you know, this meeting happens or a rescue happens and they might be puzzled by it, but they're not necessarily aware there was an angel encounter. I think that's the way it is with us too.
1: Hmm. I love that weaving that
0: through to really make people think, wow. Is this happening in my life? Yeah, you know. I mean, even this idea that God is working on our behalf right now in ways that we can't see, I think we will hopefully do far more than entertain them as they read these, but, but actually really speak to them about what God's doing in their lives.
1: Exactly. So tell me why you felt it was important to build a story around millennials searching for meaning in their lives.
0: Well, this is kind of where I think that age group is, and we have our oldest is a daughter who's 25, and then our son is 22. The 25-year-old is married. She's on point, just serving God. She's acting in Christian films. She's married to a Christian artist, and they are very aware that they want to roll up their sleeves and be about this culture and be about sharing the light and love of Jesus to people. But our son, I mean, as much as he has a very strong faith as well, he isn't sure what's next. He just knows it has to matter. It has to count, and um, it can't be just about success and money. It has to be about far more than that. And I think that that helped me to see that a lot of people, a lot of young people, are in that same kind of place right now. They see a lot of tragedy, a lot of um, you know persecution going on against Christians and yet they're willing to die for the faith. I mean, people who are strong in their faith, that are millennials, they're They're wanting to make a difference, so go and live in Africa and forego any comfort here, if that's where God's calling them. But I think that search for meaning in the midst of, in the midst of our current culture and, and shame, you know, phones and cell phone access and just the fact that so many people are not present. They want to be present, and they want to make a difference. So that's what my characters are.
1: Wonderful. So,
0: um,
1: you know, I think before, I, I have a couple other questions for you that I want to dig into, but in, in case you've just joined us, you're listening to Publishing Today, Clear Direction for a Changing Industry. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and we're broadcasting on the Voice America Network. We are talking today about the power of story, and on the line with me is New York Times bestselling author Karen Kingsbury, and we are discussing her newest book, Chasing Sunsets. So, Karen, I understand that you have a background as a sports reporter for the Los Angeles Times. So, I'd like to hear how that played into the theme of the book and the lead character playing for the L.A. Dodgers.
0: Well, back when I graduated from college, I was hired by the L.A. Times as a sports writer. And it was funny because I didn't have any background in sports, but I did have a few feature stories I'd written on athletes, mainly because they were my friends. And so my dad we, I didn't know anything about sports. I really feel that they hired me because I was a woman and I could write. And, and I appreciate that, but it probably was the wrong reason. But I still felt like, okay, I am going to make the most of this opportunity. It's a huge opportunity. And my dad actually took me to my first many assignments, and while I was just like deer in the headlights, he would tell me, okay, that's the line of scrimmage, and that's the red zone, and this is what happened, and that's a curveball. So in the first few months of sports writing, I was kind to be a quick learner until so I really did understand it, and I could write about these things. Um, That was when they ended up saying, hey, you know, want to do some feature stories on some of the Dodgers. And I got to be familiar with the team and the coach, Tommy Lasorda at the time, some of the players, Oral Hirschizer was one of the players at that time. And just being able to interact with them and find stories that were deep um, powerful stories. God always led me to to incredible stories to share with a public there at the times. So that was a great time in my life. I ended up moving from that point to um, writing feature stories for the front page. But I never forgot my love for that, the fact that I could go out and sit in a lawn chair and watch a baseball game for three hours and write a story about the drama behind it, it was so fun. I enjoyed it mm-hmm. so much. But, yeah, my lead character in Chasing Sunsets is Marcus Dillinger. He's a fictitious pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers. And it just feels almost like coming full circle.
1: I love that. Now, um, I'm only about halfway through the book, by the way, and I'm loving it. Uh, but there's uh, the war, the gang warfare element. And uh, I I would love to hear your take on, you know, what can communities do to help those who are in need of a second chance? And it's wrapped up in that lifestyle.
0: You know, I think that's one of the questions I'm wrestling with in this particular book is just the game warfare is really tough. And it's tough in a lot of inner cities and certainly in the Los Angeles area. So the pitcher, Marcus Dillinger, he decides to open a youth center. He has money. He has influence. This is a way to find meaning. But the games don't really receive it that way. They're not looking for help. They are very comfortable in the lifestyle that they feel they have chosen. And it puts, Marcus, my picture, it puts his life in danger. And I, I think that's something that to be aware of is that there's not an easy fix when it comes to gang violence and kids joining gangs. Rather, I think that they need a lot of things. They do need a, a youth center, a place to hang out, but they need mentoring in the worst way. They've not seen healthy relationships modeled by the men in their lives, and the men in their lives often are serving time or dead. So they you know, tend to feel there's almost a code of honor to go the same way. And without a mentoring program, really nothing will will be long term as a change for these kids. And and I think that's where you see these millennials going. All right, well then sign me up. Let me mentor. I, I love that. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And I'm and I'm kind of getting that. I'm not quite there yet in the book, but I'm 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 seeing that that's coming. And I'm I'm, I'm loving seeing that because it's it, they're all in, and that's that's what we need to be. Even us old people yeah, that. Amen. <laughs> so, okay. What I want to do to kind of um start wrapping this up is, uh, you know, you've done a lot of writing in your day and uh, you've been very effective with the written word. And, um, you know, there's a lot of authors or aspiring authors that are listening to this show today. And um I'd love to have you just share maybe a couple of helpful tips that I mean, authors who want to improve their ability to touch lives through the power of story, they want to improve their craft, what, what giveaway can you give them right now?
0: Um, a couple of quick tips. Probably I would say write very tight. So you want to cut the superfluous words. You, uh, the word said or asked really should not be in our novels because quotation marks indicate someone speaking and a question mark indicates someone is asking um, rather, if you want to beat in your dialogue, use an action, use an emotion, use a thought. Advance the storyline and the depth of our understanding rather than simply stating the obvious that someone is speaking. Um, I, I mean, I'll ever listen to thumb through a novel, and if I see the words said and asked and added and noted throughout the novel, I, I won't read it. It's just too many wasted words. So that's a really good tip, I think. I think um, avoiding any, you know, you can look through a search through your manuscript and see how many L-Y words you have. How much are you telling them instead of showing them the power of the story is the illustration. It's showing them that she entered the room, her feet keeping time with her heartbeat, not she entered the room quickly. There's a very big difference in, uh, in that kind of writing. And just like take a look again at your manuscript and see where you've been just kind of general. And you can be a lot more specific. It's always going to be stronger. Absolutely.
1: And those are two of the best tips you could ever give. Write tight and show don't tell and that's awesome uh-huh. karen karen thank you so much for being with us today now what is the best way for our listeners can to connect with you online
0: the best way would be my website karen kingsbury.com they can sign up for my free newsletter i have a blog that goes out with the newsletter as well and uh, read the first three chapters of chasing sunsets for free right there at the website
1: Wonderful. Boy, they do that, they're going to buy it because I know I'm sucked in. So thank you so much again for being with us today, (laughs) Karen. Thank you,
0: Athena. This is great.
1: You bet. You have a great rest of your day. You (laughs) too. God bless you. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break and be right back with award-winning novelist and my good friend, James L. Rubart. I call him Jim, but that's his uh, author name. So do not go away. This is Athena Dean Holtz, and you're listening to Publishing Today, Clear Direction for a Changing Industry on the Voice America Network. And we'll be right back.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN.
1: Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
3: Hi, this is Shannon Etheridge, relationship coach, speaker, and author of over 20 books, including the million copy bestselling Every Woman's Battle series. It was over 15 years ago that I was struggling to navigate through this publishing world, and Athena Dean was one of the first people that I encountered in this industry. Now, we've stayed in touch ever since then, because she was such an encourager then, and she's still an encouragement to me today. What a mover and a shaker for God's kingdom. And I have no doubt that Redemption Press is living up to its name.
1: Has anyone ever told you you should write a book? Athena Dean Holtz here, and I've been involved in the publishing industry as an author, blogger, coach, and publisher for over 25 years. One thing I've found is everyone has a story. It just takes the right team to help get it onto paper and then into a book that has the potential to touch lives. Give us a call today. The toll-free number is 844-2-REDEAM. That's 844 like us on Facebook or visit our site at authorsincharge.com we would love to walk with you through your publishing journey
2: ever thought about writing a book to tell your story inspire others or fulfill a calling in your life Putting your words on paper is a frightening yet thrilling process that can result in untold lives being touched. The professionals at Redemption Press will walk with you through the process of creating a product you will be proud of.
4: My book was extremely personal, very close to my heart. My baby. From the first call I made to Redemption, Athena and her staff tended to this child like it was their own. My manuscript was very involved, including not only text but also photographs of my artwork. My project manager was so patient and helpful. She was in it for the long haul. Whether it was through phone calls or emails, every staff member at Redemption involved in the publishing process made me feel like I was a person and that my book was their priority.
2: Give Redemption Press a call today at 844-2-REDEEM. Like them on Facebook or go to authorsincharge.com for more information. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Well, welcome back to Publishing Today Clear Direction for a Changing Industry, broadcasting on the Voice America Network. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and we are continuing on with our show on the power of story. Now, I have to say that I've known Jim Rubart, so it's hard for me to call him James since (laughs) before he was even an author, and it has been amazing to watch him grow in his craft and his ability to touch lives with the written word, and uh, in case you are just tuning in, James L. Rubart is the best-selling and Christie Award-winning author of Room's Book of Days, The Chair, Souls Gate, and Memory's Door. He's also a professional speaker, owns a marketing company, is actually one of our coaches at Redemption Press. He works with a number of our authors on branding, which he is the ultimate expert on. And uh now we actually have a, an, a one copy of his Christie Award-winning novel, Souls Gate. So if you are the first person who texts me at 210 6204900. I will send you a copy of this amazing book, and you are gonna love this guy. He's one of my favorite people. Welcome to the show, Jim.
5: Athena, it is so fun to be with you on your inaugural show. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's great to have you on today. So tell me a little bit about your writing career. I want everybody to hear your story and and just how almost you almost let someone's words cause you to just totally give up on your dream of becoming an author.
5: Yeah, it, it, it did make me give up on my dream for, for many, many years. And what happened is I fell in love with the idea of being a novelist back in junior high. So I took a journalism class the next year in eighth grade, and then they chose everyone out of the journalism class for the school paper, and I did not get chosen. And I heard that as a message, you cannot write. And so even though I had the dream for years and years and years and years, I never did anything about it till I was about 40 years old. Um, and thanks to my wife, I finally did step into it, and it's it's been a crazy ride. I My first book came out uh, exactly five years ago, and I've had so I've had six come out at this point, and my seventh novel comes out in November. So it, it just still feels a little bit surreal for the dream to have come true and hit the bestseller list and win awards and nominations and all this. So it's been it has been a wild ride.
1: I'll bet, and I'll never forget the first time I read your first book, and I just saw you. I saw your mannerisms. I saw <laughs> things. I'm I just chuckled because I'm like. That description is exactly how he, you know, one of his mannerisms. It just, it was so much fun to, to just see you in your book, in your writing.
5: I am definitely in there. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Jim. So, or oh, James, sorry about that. Um, so <laughs> for you, for you, what makes a story really powerful?
5: Well, I think there's a difference between watching a story and living a story. And I'll explain what I mean by that. There's some books where you read the book and it's interesting and you're uh, wanting to know what's going to happen next. And then there are other stories where you feel like you have become one of the characters. You're, You're going, oh my gosh, I can relate to that person so deeply. That's my struggle. That's my pain. That's my triumph. And when I get letters from people who say, I became one of your characters, then I feel like, okay, that's what I want to accomplish. I want somebody to become so immersed in one of my characters that they feel like it's almost them. And and that's what makes a story powerful to me. There's an old writing cliche that all you have to do to write a great story is open a vein and bleed onto the page. Yeah. But I, I think it's a cliche because it's true. If you really, really want to affect people powerfully with a story, you have to go to those wounded, deep, dark, painful, triumphant places inside your own soul and convey that on paper. And if, pe- if you can do that, people will resonate with the story. And one of the things I do, Athena, is I read through my books, obviously, before I turn them into my publisher. If I don't cry at least once rereading the story, then I've done something wrong. Because mm-hmm. I figure if I can make myself cry, then I can probably go to that emotional place in a reader
1: exactly exactly I love that and I've always said that it's like if we can't uh be the in certainly in fiction the the people the characters in in your novel can't be perfect they can, they have to be flawed and wounded so people can go I get that I relate to that I I'm right there with you and that's just and that's exactly what you're talking about and I love that and I think that is that is truly what What can make a story powerful is and draw us into it instead of just being a a spectator. Yeah. So, okay. In case you just joined us, you're listening to Publishing Today: Clear Direction for a Changing Industry. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz. We're broadcasting on the Voice America Network, the world leader in online media broadcasting. And the largest producer and distributor of live internet based talk radio. And we are talking now to James L. Rubart, Christie award winning novelist and branding guru. So now, okay, this is where I kind of really got excited about this idea of, of asking you this question because you teach branding to authors and uh, we always end up when we're at the same conference teaching at the same time. So I've never got to sat sit in a in a, a workshop of yours and hear this, but I've always heard it secondhand. And uh, one of your core concepts is shocking Broca to make yourself stand out as an author. And I I gotta believe there's a parallel in doing the same thing with your novel and or with your storytelling. So. Can you tell us a little bit about what Shocking Broca even is and how does it apply not only to branding but also to writing fiction?
5: That, that is, that's a great question. And I, can't, I, I got the concept of Shocking Broker from a friend of mine, Roy Williams, who is, in my mind, the marketing guru, just a brilliant guy. And when he first explained it to me, I thought, this is the key. This is the key for companies, for individuals, for authors, for everyone that wants to stand out. So uh, I'll give you a Reader's Digest version of what Shocking Broker is. There was a scientist and doctor named Paul Broca who discovered this area of the brain back in the late 1800s. And essentially what Broca is, is it's the filter for the brain. So we collect images, we collect sounds. Those move toward the prefrontal cortex of our brain at the very front. That's where we make decisions. But to get to the prefrontal cortex... You have to go through Broca's area of the brain. And what Broca's area of the brain does is it filters out the boring, the mundane. If you've heard a joke 15 times, it's Broca's area of the brain that says, I don't need to hear that again. It's boring. And that's why in advertising, so many ads don't get through is because they're so typical. They all sound the same. And so what I teach authors to do is find out that uniqueness about you, that thing that's so different, it's going to surprise people, and it's going to bypass Broca's area and get to the prefrontal cortex. And I'll give you one example from my own life. I'm a professional speaker, and a lot of times what I will do during my talk is I used to be a semi-professional magician, and so I will do magic magic tricks up on stage. Well, that shocks Broca's area of the spectator's brain because they see very few speakers who are doing magic as part of their presentation. So I help authors find out what that area is in their life that they can use to shock Broca and stand out. And how that applies to novels is you need to come up with a unique idea, something that hasn't been done before. And sometimes that's, that's combining two things that are very familiar, and sticking them together. I'll give you an example. Jane Austen is well-known to everyone. Mm-hmm. Zombies are well-known to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And so a couple of years ago, this someone came up with the idea of all combining those two things. So this book came out, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and it hit, you know, it hit the bestseller list because it's so different, and yet it's something we know. So that's an example of shocking Broca, in In the novelist uh, and fiction world, and what I encourage writers to do because I help writers in, in their journey as well, I encourage them find that unique idea that an agent or an editor has not seen before
1: And that's going to shock their broker, <laughs> and they're going to go, "Whoa, I want, I want to know more about this and I want to talk you know I want to uh, take the next step to see about yep. publishing this this idea yeah I love that I love that, and that is uh you know i I knew there would be a connection there, and i I wanted just to just make sure I was tracking right and so i that's exciting um now okay i i want to transition a little bit into um something I heard you say one time, I think it was at a Northwest Christian writers meeting, I think it was the first time I heard you say this, but you um and uh a good friend of yours were driving in a car and it was the, the water bottle thing. Right. And you know, uh, next, my next show is going to be all about, uh, uh, writers conferences and staying connected with other people who are like minded. And, and I think this kind of plays into that besides just being a, a great way to live your life every day. But, I want you to give us that story and, because it was profound the first time I heard it from you.
5: Yeah, what I, what I tell people is, first of all, I tell them it's uh, this whole publishing thing. It's, so mu- it's about so much more than the writing. It's, it's who you're becoming as a person. It's, it's uh, One of my favorite quotes is from Ray Bradbury. It's jumping off cliffs all the time. And building your wings on the way down. I think that's a life of faith. And that's what we're doing in the publishing journey. That's what we're doing when we're putting our words out there. But one of the things that holds us back is we're scared. We're scared to jump off the cliff. We think we're just going to crash without building wings. And how I illustrate that to people is I, I use this quote, which you referenced, Athena, and that is, it's impossible to read the label when you're standing inside the bottle. And we are all standing inside our own bottles. We don't see the glory that's on us. We don't see the ability and the gifting and the charisma that's inside of us. Other people can see it. But so often, we do not believe the things about ourselves that other people believe. And so, it's my contention that we need to tell each other what's on the label. We need to say, Athena, oh my gosh, do you realize how much you light up a room when you come inside it? Do you know that? And (laughs) Athena, you'd probably go... Boy, I, I, do I really, Jim? Yes, you do. Ooh. Well, we need to tell each other that. We need yeah. to read the labels. And so I was coming home from a conference. This is the story you referenced. I was coming mm-hmm. home from a conference, and I just decided to do it for an editor friend of mine. And I described to him what he was like, what was on his label. And it was profound. You know, he starts getting tears in his eyes. Well, I got an email a couple of weeks later from him where he read my label. And it was just same thing, tears to come to my eyes because it's so powerful. And I guess, I guess, Athena, that is the power of words. Mm
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I I can't think of, count all the times that I've had somebody say to me, you know, you changed my life when you said this to me. And it was like 10 years ago and you just said this one line to me. And I'm like, I said that. I don't even remember (laughs) saying that, you know. But again, it's the power of words and and really affirming what you see in someone else or what God's showing you. They need to hear, and that just blew me away. When you when you, I think it was you and Mick Silva, right, driving in the car after. Yeah, it was. It was Mick Silva. I remember that, and that was profound. And you and I have both served on the board at Northwest Christian Writers. And we both have firsthand experience of the value of writers getting together, supporting each other, speaking life into each other. And that's a great example of that. Yes. Okay. So we've got, we've got a few minutes before we wrap up this, um, segment. We got about three minutes. So let me ask you this. What is the most important thing that you can do as a writer? We got lots of. Either, either writers or aspiring writers. Maybe they're not even writing yet. They just have a dream to write. What's the most, most important thing as a writer we can do to accomplish our dreams?
5: Um, <laughs> jump off the cliff. Build <laughs> your wings on the way down. And, and, and I'm serious about that. You have to take the risk. You have to put yourself out there. You're going to get critiqued. You're going to get rejected. You're going to have people that discourage you. But if you are in a position where you say, I can't not write then I just encourage you to keep going, keep jumping off the cliffs, keep building the wings on the way down. And then the second thing I would say, Athena, can I, can I give you another Yes, thought? please. Yep. Uh, you've probably heard this anecdote before, but it is so worth stating again. Because a, I see a lot of beginning writers that they do not get this. And that is, a few weeks ago, this uh, brain surgeon and this author went golfing together on, on the third tee, the brain surgeon says to his author friend, you're not going to believe what I'm going to do this summer. I'm going to take six weeks off and I'm going to become an author. And the author said, unbelievable coincidence. I'm taking six weeks off this summer too. And I'm going to become a brain surgeon. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the reason that's funny is because we think, oh, I grew up writing so I can write. <laughs> and what I want to tell beginning writers, it's like brain surgery. It's that hard to learn to be excellent at writing. So, take time to study the craft, read books, go to conferences, get in critique groups where you have somebody that knows what they're talking about. Really dedicate yourself to the craft of fiction.
1: Absolutely. That is, uh, and you you definitely, got, I've, I've kind of heard a variation of that, but it's so true. I mean, you can't just, you know, well, God told me to write this and so I just wrote it and don't you change it because, you know, we, we need to learn the craft and learn how to be excellent communicators yeah so okay it's been awesome having you on today but let me just wrap up with this what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you online and and how do they do that
5: oh yeah the best way is just go to my website jameslrubart.com r-u-b-a-r-t jameslrubart.com and you can sign up for my newsletter and that's the best way to stay in touch because it gives updates on what's going on with me and my world and if people want to email me directly they can do it that way as well so that's the best way
1: wonderful well thank you so much for being with me today and okay we're going to take a quick break and be right back with award winning novelist and another longtime friend Cynthia Rukti so don't go away this is Athena Dean Holtz you're listening to publishing today clear direction for a changing industry and we'll be right back
5: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: Ever thought about writing a book to tell your story, inspire others, or fulfill a calling in your life? Putting your words on paper is a frightening yet thrilling process that can result in untold lives being touched. The professionals at Redemption Press will walk with you through the process of creating a product you will be proud of.
4: My book was extremely personal, very close to my heart. My baby. From the first call I made to Redemption, Athena and her staff tended to this child like it was their own. My manuscript was very involved, including not only text, but also photographs of my artwork. My project manager was so patient and helpful. She was in it for the long haul. Whether it was through phone calls or emails, every staff member at Redemption involved in the publishing process made me feel like I was a person and that my book was their priority.
2: Give Redemption Press a call today at 844-2-REDEEM. Like them on Facebook or go to AuthorsInCharge.com for more information.
3: Hi, this is Shannon Etheridge, relationship coach, speaker, and author of over 20 books, including the Million Copy Best Selling Every Woman's Battle series. It was over 15 years ago that I was struggling to navigate through this publishing world, and Athena Dean was one of the first people that I encountered in this industry. Now, we've stayed in touch ever since then, because she was such an encourager then, and she's still an encouragement to me today. What a mover and a shaker for God's kingdom. And I have no doubt that Redemption Press is living up to its name.
1: Has anyone ever told you you should write a book? Athena Dean Holtz here, and I've been involved in the publishing industry as an author, blogger, coach, and publisher for over 25 years. One thing I've found is everyone has a story. It just takes the right team to help get it onto paper and then into a book that has the potential to touch lives. Give us a call today. The toll-free number is 844-2-REDEAM. That's 844-273-3336. Like us on Facebook or visit our site at authorsincharge.com. We would love to walk with you through your publishing journey.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Publishing Today, Clear Direction for a Changing Industry, broadcasting on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and we are continuing on with our show on the power of story. We've been having a great conversation with New York Times bestselling author Karen Kingsbury and Christie Award winning novelist and marketing and branding guru James L. Rubart. Now I'd like to introduce you to another longtime writer friend, Cynthia Rookti. Cynthia is the award-winning author and speaker who tells stories hemmed in hope. Her recent releases are two novels, "All My Belongings" and "As Water's Gone By," which actually releases in just a few days, and the nonfiction title "Ragged Hope: Surviving the Fallout of Other People's Choices." which I understand will be joined by Tattered and Mended, The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul. That book releases in July. She recently retired from 33 years of writing and producing a daily radio broadcast called The Heartbeat of the Home, is past president of the 2,700-member American Christian Fiction Writers, and now serves as their professional relations liaison all while working on more book projects in addition to the 14 already on the shelves, and her work has been honored by many organizations and receive, received numerous awards. So, Cynthia, welcome to the show.
6: Thank you so much. It's great to be here talking about one of my favorite subjects.
1: Amen. So, we're talking about the power of story, and I'd like to take a little bit of a different approach with our time together. Um, You've written a number of novels, and what intrigues me the most is how you use fiction techniques, the power of story, in your nonfiction book, Ragged Hope, Surviving the Fallout of Other People's Choices. In fact, we do have one copy to give away of Ragged Hope, so the first listener who texts me at 210- 620-4900 Six two zero four nine zero zero. I will send you a copy of Ragged Hope, and I have to tell you, I love that book. It was absolutely one of my favorite books because I, everybody has to put up with other people's bad choices affecting them, and you did it in such an amazing way. Um, gosh. The, Well, first of all, I I just have to make a kind of a point here because I know when I wrote my first book, I had no idea that you were supposed to use fiction techniques like dialogue and description to to tell a true story. And, you know, obviously at that point, I'd never even been to a writer's conference or learned anything about the craft. I just knew, hey, I want to tell a story. And I'm more of a speaker than I am a writer, or at least I was back then. And so I just wrote like I talked mm-hmm. and I d- didn't find out until I'd got the entire manuscript done the first time that, um, that's not the way you do it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to work with a coach to rewrite the whole thing, but what a difference that made. Mm-hmm. So I want you to tell us how you used the power of story to communicate important truths in this very um, just uh, i thought it was a very profound non-fiction mm-hmm. book
6: no oh, thank you so much Ragged Hope is a book that incorporates the stories of 26 people who all are, are in that fallout time of having to pick up the pieces from a bad decision that someone else made. It, it, the stories range from what seem like maybe a very simple decision or a simple heartbreak as if there are as if there is such a thing, Uh to the very, very heart-gripping and heart-wrenching things that people can go through. it. It might have been grandparents that were now having to take care of their grandchildren at a time in their life when they expected to be in their empty nest stage and expected to be... Uh, retiring and having more time on their hands but because of bad decisions that their children might have made they weren't able to care for their own children. So the grandparents are now taking on those financial responsibilities as well as time responsibilities. And then there are stories of those who are picking up the pieces from a spouse maybe that had a gambling habit that was a secret for a long time, or uh, an older woman whose financial planner had wiped out her entire bank account and she went from being well off one day to having literally nothing the next day. And there, so it, throughout that whole range of the stories within this book, there's a principle that I believe, not only applies to books like this, but any nonfiction book, and frankly, when you think about it, even sermons that we hear, that unless they're coupled with story, we're missing an important element of it. We can hear facts, But even as Karen was talking about in her segment, um, unless it reaches our heart or unless it gets to the emotional part of us, we're missing the connector that will make it persuasive or that will bring about life change or that will bring us to a place of either making a decision that will be a positive decision for us or even showing us where the hope has been hiding in the middle of our own personal crises.
1: That is so good. I I. I think when I started writing, I, 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 and I think because I hadn't been to writers' conferences and I hadn't really studied the craft, just like Uh Jim was mentioning. You know, you don't just uh, take six weeks off and write a book, and you know, if you haven't studied the craft. Um, But that whole idea of using uh, dialogue and description Uh and those things that you see in a novel, using that in a nonfiction work is so powerful.
6: I I think about things like, um, Jesus could have simply said to us, be kind when it isn't convenient, and it isn't socially acceptable. And he, he could have just made that statement, but instead he coupled that kind of instruction by saying, there was a man from Samaria who found someone along the side of the road who had been injured, and robbers had taken everything from him and hurt him, and... Everyone else who walked past him ignored him. They were too busy. They didn't want to be bothered. They were repulsed by this man. But this good Samaritan stopped and took care of the man's needs, paid out of his own pocket for what his needs were, and said, I'll give you more if that's not enough, when he took him to an inn. When Jesus told that story, all of a sudden, we're sitting up and taking notice we're understanding that it doesn't just mean this is a lofty principle it means this is for us this is this is a life lesson that we can adopt for ourselves the Il- stories illustrate make um, they paint mental pictures for us they help it be relatable story breaks through our defenses so that we're listening better because we we are caught up in the story it puts us in the scene just as had been mentioned before that makes us realize it's it, it's about us it's not about that principle or idea it's about our connection with that idea or principle. It takes us much deeper than those facts or their Those concepts. There's another thing, too, Athena, if I can mention this, that I really feel where nonfiction can benefit from the power of story is it really incorporates the multiple learning styles that we all have. When we read a principle in black and white on paper, we're only hearing it, really, we're only catching it through the the visual process of seeing those words on paper, and for some of us, it then will be converted in our minds to how we need to have it in order to be able to really grasp it and get it into our hearts. Well, storytelling within nonfiction incorporates, even if it's in a vicarious way, auditory as we hear the story unfolding, and the visual, and the kinesthetic as we see the action taking place, and we're, we're... grasping and learning and embracing and then seeing its principle for our own lives as we live out that story or as it it drives deeper into our heart than it would if it were just flat on paper.
1: Mm. It comes alive. Mm, True. Yep, yep. So, okay, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Publishing Today, Clear Direction for a Changing Industry. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and we're broadcasting on the Voice America Network. I am talking to Cynthia Rukti about using fiction techniques in your nonfiction book. So, Cynthia, what, let's say two or three tips can you give our listeners who feel called to write nonfiction, but I mean, I... I know when I first wrote my story, um, I and I have always uh, considered myself totally. I'm a nonfiction writer. I'm not a fiction writer. I don't. I don't have the creative mind to write fiction. I. I just don't. You know. I don't feel like I have that gift. And so, I. It was. It was a stretch for me and really learning for me to learn how to use those kind of techniques in my nonfiction. So I'd love for our listeners to just. Here, what tips you can give them that will help them be as effective as possible?
6: I think there's one key element that for me, even in transitioning from when I was writing for radio, I was writing both fiction and nonfiction every day for the broadcast. It was a slice of life, seen from everyday life, and then that was followed by devotional thoughts, which were the nonfiction end. So there was a coupling of that every day, and I kind of kind of grew up, I would say, in writing, understanding that both had their place and that they were interrelated with one another. Mm -hmm. But I think there's another key principle that I, I had to really get solidly before I could write nonfiction in a way that would reach the heart of the reader, and that was wanting to reach the heart of the reader. My goal wasn't to say what I had to say. My goal was to communicate what the reader needed to hear. Mm. And if we start out from the from the premise that we have something to say and we want to get it in a book form, so it can so it can get out there to a, an unknown world, we're missing that heart to heart, one to one connection with writing in a way that communicates what the reader needs to hear. I can be eloquent as I'll get out on a certain topic, but if I'm not expressing it in a way that the reader is able to understand and apply it to their own lives, I've missed the point. So working on that, I would say, is one key tip or or, um, key, uh, actually a, a, a skill that needs to be developed, that needs to be worked on until that's That's a a part of the nonfiction writer's life. I think we need to listen well, which is also a part of it. As we're listening, we're understanding what it is that the readers need, and that, in turn, shows up in our writing because we're writing for the ear as we have listened to what their heart needs are and researching well, of course. And and then I also, I'm working with a nonfiction writer right now, someone who typically has written fiction and is wanting to write nonfiction. And I keep encouraging that writer, apply what you know about fiction. Apply what you know about storytelling. We want to feel this. We just don't want to just only hear it. We would like to feel what's happening and the power of what's what's being said, the power of the principle.
1: Mm, I if, love it.
6: If Did, I could add, I, I don't know if we have time yeah. for this, but the marketing, okay, the marketing industry has come to see that in a in the psychology of storytelling. I read a quote one time where Philip Pullman said, "After nourishment, shelter, and companionship, stories are the thing we need most in the world." And we're finding that some of the ads that we see on television that are most impactful are the ones where. There's a story told. It mm-hmm. might be a dog waiting for the return of his master, or or um, or some other storyline like that. And those are the ones that we remember. We might remember that the pastor had a three point sermon, but we mm-hmm. remember the illustration he used, and that's what stays with us.
1: Exactly. I love it. I. All right. So let, we got to wrap this up, and I'm going to. Okay. Uh, go on to the Ask Athena segment, so let me quick make sure our listeners know where they can connect with you online, Cynthia.
6: That's great. The easiest way to get to me is CynthiaRukty.com. They can get to me through Facebook and through Twitter that way also, but I'll spell my last name for people who might not uh, know it. Cynthia is spelled the traditional way, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A, Rukty is R-U-C-H-T-I.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being with me today. It was a delight to have you on the show.
6: It was my blessing. My pleasure.
1: All right. Okay, so we're going to wrap up this first Publishing Today show with our Ask Athena segment, where I answer questions you've been asking about. If you have a question you'd like to address on the air, send it to me by email at question at askathena.com. Uh, my actually a friend of mine, old friend of mine, John von Hoff, asked in today 's publishing world, how should a writer, especially a new writer, make decisions about trying to get their book published accepted by a publisher, for instance, how long they should try and do this versus doing it themselves in Kindle and Boy, you know my answer to that would have to be uh Really get some feedback. Get some critiquing. Get, don't just write a novel or write something and, uh, send in uh, to a few publishers, get a few rejections and then just go over to Kindle and, uh, press the publish button. Uh, You need to make sure, number one, it's well edited. It's well developed. It's, uh, you know, you don't just, uh, kind of self edit or have your mom edit it, or have your spouse edit it, you need to really make sure, I think, as a new writer, you'll never have a second chance to make a good first impression. If you have something you feel called to write, don't just, when you get a few rejections, go right to Kindle. I would take the time to get feedback, to get critiqued, to get editing, to actually develop it to make sure, and really... Before you go straight to Kindle, make sure you've done all your homework and you've you've really exhausted all avenues and, and that that's the right step to take. So it's time to wrap up this first show of publishing today. It's been a great to have such gifted guests share their time and wisdom with us. Be sure to join us next week when our topic is everything you ever wanted to know about a writer's conference and why they are so valuable I would love to hear from you with any questions you'd like me to address in the Ask Athena segment, so send those to question at askathena.com. This is Athena Dean Holtz for Publishing Today Radio, Clear Direction for a Changing Industry, brought to you by Redemption Press.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Publishing Today Radio. Be sure to join your host, Athena Dean Holtz, again next Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.